deacon. Now, if you haven't already taken the opportunity to get to know your servant leaders uh, that have accepted the role of deacon here, I want to encourage you to be intentional. That's, that's that your part that I always talk about. Make an effort in the near future to get to know these men and their families and invite them over for a backyard cookout or something like that this summer. I keep saying this series is a challenge for elders, deacons, and you. And as we run the race together, I want you to know your leadership team appreciates when you send encouragement their way. Whether it's a dinner invitation, a card of encouragement, an email, a phone call, um, it's good. And that's your part. Reach out and connect with our leadership team. Let them know you care about them and their families while they are caring for you and your families. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come before you this morning uh, to open your word, uh, to examine ourselves against your word in what you would have us do as, as elders, deacons, and Christians. And so, so as we look to, um, to your words, I pray that you would, you would strike our hearts, Lord, that we would come away from this time before you differently than how we came. And, uh, and so I just pray that that your words would always ring true, that we would uh, do our absolute best to change ourselves and reshape ourselves according to your word and that we won't um, try to change your word according to us, but, but that we will allow your word to change us and to shape us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, last week, while we were looking at the differences between elders and deacons, I shared with you from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. And I want to read that with you again. It starts out, it says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Acts chapter 6 verse 3 also tells us, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. That was in reference to uh, serving and caring for widows in that time. Now, here's the thing. Deacons must be men of good character. They, they must be uh, certified by the public testimony. Also, the character qualification worthy of respect includes what I just read to you from Acts chapter 6, verse 3. We must seek out men who are worthy of respect, who are full of wisdom. And in case you're wondering, men who are wise are men who honor God and seek His will for their lives and for their family first. They, they are men worthy of respect, regardless of their age. And I'm happy to be able to say that the men we have as deacons, Larry Long, Matthew Pittenger, Andrew Harris, Rick Bonta, Brandon Levi, Tom Highfield, they are men that are worthy of respect. It's a difficult task indeed to be fair and generous while at the same time being practical and responsible. Uh, it's, that's why it's important that our deacons are men who are worthy of respect. And, and just to be clear, worthy of respect does not mean that these men are perfect. It doesn't mean that they don't make mistakes or that they won't make a mistake. It, it simply means, my, my version of worthy of respect means they will not embarrass the church or Jesus on purpose. It's not a premeditated embarrassment or a premeditated stumble. Um, but... We're humans, so we will make mistakes. You see, due to the confidential manner in which a deacon may be called to minister, and as they do their work with widows and, and even single parents and things like that, we're also given in this context an encouragement and a warning 
concerning the wife of a deacon as well. I want to touch on that real quick if I can. It's 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. It says this, Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. This is important because as we serve and care for our sheeple, that's our people's sheep that I like to refer to, as we care and serve our sheeple, we also have to protect our servant leaders. And there are going to be times in the service of our deacons and even myself where we need to have delicate conversations with people. And sometimes we need our wives beside us as we serve. And, and again, I'm happy to say this, that women, Mary, Margaret Long, Lindsay Pittenger, Mary Harris, Maxine Bonta, Carol Highfield, Brittany Levi, are women that fit these character qualifications as well. And this goes back to the whole being above reproach thing. If, if a deacon's wife is privileged to be a part of his ministry of mercy, she's also agreeing to be sober-minded and not slanderous, to be dignified, uh, meaning that she will not share private information about others and, and the things they struggle with, but instead she will, she will come alongside in support of her husband, in support of those situations. Also, According to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, a deacon should have integrity in speech. This is, this is kind of tricky, but just kind of wrap your mind around this whole scenario. Paul writes, I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Now, I say all that to say this. There's an old saying a man is no better than his word. How true. Some would say a man is just as good as his word. You see, nothing destroys a Christian community like deceit. That's why the servant leader who is a deacon that cares for the physical needs of the people must first of all be sincere and trustworthy. Uh, Paul is explaining in what I just read to you that even in the changing of his plans, a deacon must be a man of his word. His yes must be yes and his no must be no. And come to think of it, that's a good challenge for any of us. That's a good challenge for any Christian. Do not be double-tongued, but instead have integrity of speech. Say what you mean, mean what you say. You see what I did there? You're sitting there thinking, yeah, deacons should be men of integrity. And then I slipped into the, the your part on you again. Never forget that when we're running the race that's set before us, the challenge is not just for elders and deacons, but it's for you as well. We need to make sure that we're not double-tongued people. We need to make sure that that we are saying what needs to be said, that our yes is yes and our no is no. That being said, we also should not be addicted to much wine or alcohol, servant leaders and Christians alike. Now, I will tell you this. Generally speaking, everybody likes to justify this one. We, we say things, we, well, we can do anything in moderation. Even Jesus turned water into wine. We like to say that, and you're not wrong. Uh, Jesus did turn water into wine, but he also didn't drink all the wine at the wedding. There's a difference there. Not only... Uh, that, that is a culture, but I think we can say that we're not very good at moderation as individuals. There are more all-you-can-eat buffets in America than anywhere else. Why? Because we don't do moderation well. So we can say you can do anything in moderation, but the reality is most of us can't. We don't do moderation very well. 
Let me be clear here also. We're not Jesus. You and I don't have that kind of self-control. One more thing. I'm not saying that Christians can't have a drink, but I like what Roger Chambers says about this topic. And it's one of my favorite conversations that I've listened to him on. He says that Scripture speaks very clearly about foolish and wise people. And then he says, I've never met someone who has been drinking that could show they had wisdom on any given subject. <laughs> I'll let you think about that a little bit. I also appreciate what Proverbs 31 verses 4 and 5 says, and I think it's, it's a fair warning for all of us. I would even interject the title Christian here in for the word king, and not to change scripture, but just to drive home the point that we are the called out ones. We are called out by God to live differently. Listen to this. This is verse 5. It says, it is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings, or you could say it is not for Christians to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink because of verse 5. Sorry, that was verse 4. Verse 5 says, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. That's the stumble. You see, as deacons, as ministers of mercy, as Christians, we are called to serve and care for others. We are called to serve and care for the afflicted, not forget them, not pervert their rights. You see, the bottom line is this. A man who seeks to demonstrate the love of Christ to others or a woman who seeks to demonstrate the love of Christ to others must be in control of this area of their life. And they also, as leaders in a church, need to have financial integrity. Paul certainly had false teachers in mind when he listed the qualifications for elders and deacons. I can't help but wonder if maybe he had Judas Iscariot in mind when he wrote that a deacon should not be greedy for money or fond of sordid gain. I think if there's ever a poster child for this illustration, it would be Judas Iscariot. He was the treasurer for the disciples. Uh, Judas often spoke as if he cared for people, as if he cared for the poor, but he actually cared for the money more. Uh, you, may recall, um, you may recall after Mary poured her expensive perfume on Jesus that Judas complained about it. Oh, why would she do this? This could have been sold and, and, and the 300 denarii could have been given to the poor. But then John shares Judas's real concern was for the money. He even said Judas was not concerned for the poor because he was a thief. He would help himself to the money box whenever he wanted. You can read about that in John chapter 12. Uh, the point I want to make here is don't be like Judas. Care more for your people than the money they bring. Luke also gives a warning when he records Jesus as he talks about how the scribes and the Pharisees were stealing from widows' houses in chapters 11 and, and, uh, and chapter 20 in, in Luke. Jesus charges that they are all full of robbery. Jesus actually spoke a lot about money in his ministry and, and people didn't like it that much. He also spoke about the improper use of money in his ministry. As a matter of fact, it's written in Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Folks, part of the job of deacon is they handle money. They handle other people's money. They handle the church's money as they care for the physical needs of the church. And I'm pleased to say that when money is handled here at Huntsville Christian Church, there's a process with accountability that protects both those giving and those counting and designating the use of money. We have a good process of accountability and we have it in place in order that those who are serving in this area are always able to be above reproach. And so as we continue on looking at the characteristics of a deacon, I want to close out with this focal point. His life and his doctrine must match. 
again, this is, this is a key character for elders, for deacons, and for you. In case you think you're getting off the hook, Christian, your life and your doctrine must match. Lawrence Richards has this to say about the life and doctrine of a Christian. He says, a Christian can't hold to the faith with a pure conscience and live in sexual immorality, pilfer money, hate a brother, divorce a Christian spouse, or mix falsehood with the gospel. The New Testament never allows people to separate life and doctrine. Whenever we knowingly act in a way that is con contrary to God's word and we do not seek his forgiveness, we defile our conscience. Every time we violate our conscience, we weaken its convicting power and we make sin and hypocrisy easier to commit. Therefore, a Christian who's inconsistent, hypocritical, their life belies the biblical truth. They can't be a deacon. It seems harsh, but we live in a world where cultural preferences seem to be trumping biblical doctrine. And we simply can't allow that in God's church. This is nothing, nothing new. The false teachers in the church at Ephesus defiled their consciences by trusting in their prideful thoughts and their base desires rather than in God's sound revelation. And in the end, they shipwrecked their faith and all who followed them. Read about it for yourself. Don't take my word on it. I'm not making this stuff up. Look at in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapters 1 and 2. Read about it this week. See what the Bible says about these things. These five character qualifications that we've talked about this morning are set out for men that desire to be a servant leader, to serve Christ's bride as a deacon. And so as we run the race, I challenge that these qualifications, dignity, being worthy of respect, not double-tongued, but having integrity of speech, not addicted to much wine, above reproach in the use of alcohol, not a lover of money or fond of sordid gain, but having financial integrity, holding to the mystery of the faith, life and doctrine being a match. Yeah, these are qualifications are good for leadership. They're good guidelines for elders, deacons, and especially for you and I about how we should live out our life for Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you're struggling in one of these areas, I ask that during our response time this morning, you would reach out to someone for accountability, for restoration. If you aren't sure who to reach out to, send us an email. An elder or myself would, would, would respond back to you. We'd love to have a conversation with you. We would love to study and encourage you in these areas, in these characteristics, if you will. Even if you don't desire to serve as an elder or a deacon, if you just desire to do better in these areas, reach out to us. You see, as a Christian, we need to honor God. If we do that first, we will be a reflection of him because we will be people of dignity. We won't be gossips. We won't be double-tongued. We will strive to honor God first. We'll not be addicted to much wine. If we love God and love others first, we will not be lovers of money. If we're focused on our mission of go to win and commit to grow, then we will be committed to studying and understanding God's word so that we can all hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Our life and our doctrine will indeed match. And as we run the race, we will be worthy of the challenge for elders, deacons, and you. So as we come to our response time this morning, what does it look like for you to respond to God's word now that you've heard this challenge? My prayer is that as we sing our response song this morning, you will respond to God's word accordingly. Reach out to someone through a text, an email, a phone call this week. Ask them 
to be accountable to you as you strive to reflect Christ in these areas of your life. Will you join us as we sing our response song this morning and respond to God's word accordingly? Good. 